Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Ani Papazian. She is a highly experienced pain resolution specialist, a certified medical massage therapist, a functional nutritionist, and the founder and owner of Last Stop for Pain. Welcome, Ani. I am so happy to have you here. I cannot wait to dive in. How are you doing today? Hey, Brad. I'm amazing. Even it's 6 a.m. in the morning <laughs> here, almost, but I'm happy to be here with you. You are a trooper. I appreciate your willingness to get up early. I know you're an early riser, but I appreciate you making the time and taking the time to be here with me today and getting up extra early to and jumping on this call with me to do our recording. I appreciate it. And I'm so excited to have you here and looking forward to jumping in. So with that being said, let's get started. Ani, there are a couple of other titles that you wear. We don't, we'll get into those as we go through the interview, but that is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and one hell of an extensive resume. And it would seem, of course, that there's a common thread throughout all of the hats that runs through them. How do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization to you? Well, prioritizing it depending on the client. When I'm working with the client is what's going to give them the best lasting result. And that's what's going to be my priority. That's how it's going to come, depending what they need. It's yeah. not about what I, I would do. It's right. what they need. And so with you wearing multiple hats, I'd love to know, what does your morning routine look like? Well, depending on the morning, when I have to jump on a call at 6 a.m., <laughs> which I do quite often because I'm a morning person and not an evening person, it's usually when I get up in the morning, my first thing is, just take it easy. I wake up with a lot of energy. I don't need coffee to wake me up, even though I do have my morning latte here. But I actually was able to, I just got this mini trampoline, which I absolutely love. Ah. I was able to do like a five minutes on my mini trampoline to jump. My goal is to get back into shape which is even though I'm in a health industry, but definitely work in progress. So some mornings I write in my journal. Some mornings I start with meditation or five minutes Tai Chi or Qigong or a few minutes of yoga or go for a walk. It just depends on the morning. But I try to do something self-care Now, what were you doing for a living before you made the jump into entrepreneurship? And what inspired that leap into becoming an entrepreneur? I was a student. Ah, okay. (laughs) When we came from Armenia in 1992 with my family, I just finished my college. So we moved here 
I reinstated my diploma, bachelor's in kinesiology. And then I wanted to continue my education because education was major in our family. And I grew up with two engineers. My, both my parents were engineers, mechanical engineers. So education was a major thing. I actually didn't think college was a choice. I thought college was just a continuation of high school right. because that's how I was brought up. So I wanted to get my master's in either become a physical therapist or a chiropractor until I found out that I do not do well with cadavers. <laughs> and so since I studied medical massage in college back home, that was the reason I just said, massage it is. So I started going to massage school. <laughs> so you've basically always been an entrepreneur from the time you left school. That was it right into entrepreneurship, starting up your own business. Well, coming from Armenia, I had no idea what entrepreneur was. And definitely growing up in a former Soviet Union, it was just get a good job. But on social media, someone asked, what would you be the worst job for you to do? And my answer was, and right away came up, employee. <laughs> I think I'll be a good employee. Yes. <laughs> now, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do, Ani? Oh, so I just got my, I'm sure you're familiar with the strength, Gallup-like strength tests. I just got my strength test done. And guess what? Learner is my number one. <laughs> so I'm a major geek when it comes to learning. I say if I didn't have to make money, I would just quit everything and just learn anything. So A lifelong student. That's it. <laughs> So how did your journey begin into the world of pain resolution? So back home, I was an athlete. I played volleyball for Armenian national team. So if any of you have been an athlete, you know that you get injured. I can tell you how many times I had my ankles twisted, my shoulder injuries. So we had, we had a massage therapist. We always knew the treatment massage therapy, proper exercising, saunas, and all those things that regular for professional athletes. And so when I came here, that was my, oh, this is a really cool thing. I love, my passion is, I just want to dive into pain, not a massage or relaxing because that's not what I studied, but it was just medical. Pain resolution, let's get rid of people's pain. So why is this mission of helping people manage or resolve their pain so personally important to you, Ani? You know, a lot of times people say, oh, because I went through this journey that I was in pain, you know, finally found the solution. That is not the case with me. The case with me is I'm so passionate is I honestly get pissed. I get pissed <laughs> off at when people say, oh, my doctor said that's just your body you can learn to live with this. You can learn to manage it. Or I've tried a couple of things. It didn't work. I guess this is how I should be. I just figure out how to live with this pain. I honestly get pissed off. <laughs> so that is a major driver for me. And also, okay, what can I do to fix it? You know, how can I fix it? Or how I can have you understand that there is a solution? Maybe I'm not the solution. I'm not saying I'm the solution for everyone's pain, but the solution is out there. Just never stop 
looking for it. And I would assume that a lot of your clients who come to see you, that is their driver for coming to see you because they get fed up with hearing that, oh, you just have to live with this pain. There's no other solutions. Just learn to deal with it or learn to manage it. And that's it. Well, there's a couple ways. One of them that someone, because most of my business is referral based. I have never advertised. So one of it is that they have gone to different doctors, different practitioners, and they're still in pain and they come to my office with, you can see on their face, like you're just one of the another thing that I'm going to try that I've done 10 times before and didn't work. Or can they come to my office? They're like, so-and-so told me I have to come and see you. I have no idea what you do, but they said, I have to come and see you. So I'm here. What is it that you do? And those, I love those because they're (laughs) totally open. Yes. Yeah. They're like a blank canvas, right? I'm on canvas. Yes. Like do whatever you need to do. Paint your work of art, Ani. (laughs) Now I know that you had through conversation that you had quite the opportunity early on in your career. Can you share a little bit about that opportunity and how it came about for you? Oh, I think I have a feeling what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. I know. It's so funny. Oh, my God. I can maybe just write a book just on that. <laughs> I'm sure you could. I call it my paid vacation. Yeah, <laughs> I was in America just a few years, but maybe four years, and I was still mm-hmm. learning English because English was not one of the languages that I grew up with. And I was working at the chiropractor's office. I work on his patients, and one of the patients was a dancer. I just knew she was a dancer, but I had no idea at what level. So one day I get a call from someone that said, Tina Landon referred you to us and we need you to go to Malibu, see this person. We can tell you her name and that this is the address, but there is no number on the house. So (laughs) if you go on PCH and you see this number and this number, the white house in between, that's the house. (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, but I know Tina, so I trust her. So I'm going to go. So I went and they let me into the room. I set up my table and then all of a sudden walks in this shy and I'm like, holy crap, it's Johnny Jackson. And it was awesome. She was amazing. She's very soft-spoken, kind of shy. And I started working on her for a while. And then one day I get a call from one of her managers saying, would you like to go on a tour with her? And I'm like, when do I leave? (laughs) Sign me up. Sign me up. Um, So I was fortunate enough, yes, to do her 98-99 Velvet Rope World Tour. So you were on tour with her across? I did did her world tour, yeah. Holy shit. You traveled all around the world with that tour. I traveled all around the world (laughs) with her. And yeah, that's why I call it my paid vacation. No kidding. I mean, it was such an amazing experience, not just from being working with her, but that was my only tour because... I heard so many things, what goes on in other two's house. Some of them are unorganized and things happen. People don't get along. But her tour was, I think it came from like from her, from the management. It was so organized. We, most of us got along. We had so much, oh my God, the stories I can tell you. (laughs) You need to write a book, Uh, Ani. (laughs) Like, amazing. One of the things, it's funny. Sometimes I go to networking events and people say, tell us something about you that no one knows. My thing is, I have an Oscar given to me by Janet Jackson. Seriously? What? She gave you an Oscar? But... 
I would never tell you for why. Okay. So before you went on tour with her, were you doing going to her place for regular massages then, or was, was that just a one-off? Okay. Yeah, I was just going to her house to work on her. And so, how long did that go before they actually asked you to go out on about tour? About a year. I think wow. it was about a year or so. Yeah. That's incredible. What a yeah. holy shit! That's... That's a story of a lifetime. That's incredible. It's uh, it's pretty cool. I consider myself fortunate enough to come across some really cool people. Like I yeah. worked with Shakira. I worked with oh, wow. Guillermo del Toro. I don't know if you're familiar with the famous director. Oh, from mm-hmm. a fellow Canadian. Yeah, yeah. He lives in Toronto, I think. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Funny story. Well, I don't know how funny it is, but he used to come to my office whenever he come to LA. And one day, this was many years ago, my niece was about five years old. And it happened that my sister asked me to watch her, but mm-hmm. I'm, I have clients. So I put her in one of my treatment rooms. I gave her her cartoons and yeah. drawing. I'm like, auntie's going to be with the client. Please do not bother for half an hour. A five-year-old, you have children. So I'm working on Guillermo. In the middle of my session, my niece knocks on the door. Auntie, auntie. I'm like, Guillermo, I'm so sorry. He goes, oh, honey, I'm Mexican. We're used to family bothering us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least he was good about it. He understood. He was uh, his sweetheart. That's awesome. So pain obviously could be a very complex, complex and subjective experience. How do you define pain and what factors contribute to its manifestation and persistence? Well, yes, pain is such a multifaceted thing. My qualifications is to work on physical pain. It's a muscular body pain, joint. I'm not qualified to work anything psychological. That's right. really outside of the scope of my practice. But that's one of the reasons I wear so many hats and I decided to, from massage therapist to going to nutrition, functional nutrition, and then going to genetic testing and analysis is because if you have, uh, let's say you go out and play tennis, you injure yourself, that's easy. That's acute pain. I can take care of that. But people that are living with chronic pain, you you need a lot more than just knowing some really great medical massage techniques. So that's where the other hats like functional nutrition and genetic testing come in to find out what's the foundational source we can start so we can give the client lasting results instead of just addressing their symptoms. Right. Getting to the root of it. Yeah. Now, this is a great segue into this next question because pain management, as we talked about with that's the doctor saying, well, you're going to have to learn to deal with it. Here's some meds and now off you go. It focuses on symptom relief as opposed to as a pain resolution specialist. How do you help individuals uncover the root cause of their pain and develop strategies to address those causes rather than just masking the symptoms as Western medicine typically does. Yes. And that's, I love that you said pain management because sometimes people address me as a pain management practitioner and I just get this. Makes your blood boil. Thing inside <laughs> me. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't manage your pain. I either get rid of it or I don't. It's, or, you know, there it's is black no and white. Pain. Yeah. So finding the root cause, it's so interesting. Sometimes when I'm talking with the client, they may say one thing in a conversation and that will bring up the whole idea like, 
oh my God, this is where I need to look. That's where their pain coming from. Because a lot of times where you say it hurts here, that's not where the pain is coming from. That's just a referral pain. I just did a quick short video on a referral pain because the client came to me with knee pain. And I do very funky, weird techniques, <laughs> which a lot of times the clients work with me. The knee, I'm like, cool, no problem. Let me take care of his knee. And I'm doing my techniques and it's not working. Oh. And then I remember when he first came in a conversation, he mentioned that he's been having some gut issues. And I'm like, oh, the connection. So uh -huh. I went and started working on his abdominals. I did some visceral massage. About 10 minutes, 15 minutes into it, I come back, check on his knee, pain is almost gone. Yeah, so that's why knowing that there is a referral pain, there is a muscle organ connection, that if you have digestive issues, sometimes the pain can refer to other parts of your body. Knowing that is what helps me to figure out what's the root cause of it. And so mind-body connection plays a significant role in pain perception. Can you explain the connection between emotional well-being, stress, and pain, and offer strategies for managing these factors to promote pain resolution? Well, a lot of times, especially when people have been in pain for a long time, it affects them, like you said, it's psychologically, it, they become overly sensitive. Even the smallest thing can throw them off. Right. There's, we call it autonomic nervous system. Their fight or flight is way up here. So every little thing affects them like 100 times more than right. you would do. So the other day I had a client, I work a lot with dentists because I do a lot of TMJ and releases. So he sent me this patient. She laid on my table and before I did anything, she starts crying. And just because she's been, she goes, I just got engaged, but I've been in so much pain. This is supposed to be the happiest time of my life because I'm planning my wedding, but I'm in so much pain. I cannot concentrate on my wedding. And so she starts crying. Well, before I address, and she had a lot of jaw issues, before I addressed her jaw, I'm like, okay, let's do something to calm down your nervous system. Once we did that, of course, she cried some more because that's a release. And I was like, okay, cool. Now we can get, get to work. <laughs> and I did it. It's amazing. Two days later, I followed up with her. She goes, I'm almost 100%. And that was freaking awesome. That is incredible. That's got to make you feel absolutely incredible when you get those calls or when you have conversations with your patients a couple of days after seeing you. I can't imagine how incredible that feels. Well, I say sometimes I think I get more excited than the clients do. <laughs> Not because, oh, at a gal, which no. I have to tell you, I do that sometimes. I'm like, come well, on. you're a human so being, like, of course. Like little rush. badass. Like, yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> 100. And so but you yeah, should. I, mean, I love it. I so love it. This one patient, again, the same dentist sent it to me. Her whole goal was they did some dental work and afterwards she couldn't open her mouth. Her goal was, I want to open my mouth enough I can bite into a hamburger. <laughs> so I worked on her. And again, a few days later, she sent me a text and actually converted her text into a social media post. She goes, Operation <laughs> Hamburger was a success. <laughs> So the result, it seems like the last few stories you've told about your, the results are fairly quick. When it works, it works really quick. It does. Most that, of the time it does. That's incredible. 
Yeah. As we know, Western medicine or traditional medicine approaches often rely on medication, as we've talked about, and invasive procedures to treat pain. What alternative or complementary therapies do you suggest to patients seeking non-pharmacological interventions for pain relief? Yeah. That is, again, based on client and Mm -hmm. how I feel their openness. First of all, if they're on any type of medications, I can never tell them you have to stop or suggest them to stop. All I can do is give suggestions, especially if they say, well, my doctor wants me to take this medication, but I said, I don't want to, I want to try it natural way. So then I may give some suggestions of certain supplements, but this is where I would ask them, you know what, let's do genetic testing Mm -hmm. and see foundationally how your body is genetically designed to react to certain things, the foods you eat, the exercises you do. That will give me better understanding to personalize all my action steps, all my suggestions to your uniqueness. I'm not generalizing it. You said that it depends upon how open the patients are. Do you get a lot of resistance from patients around your techniques and practices? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Not often. But and how do you handle that? How do you deal well, with that? I had a client one time. She was referred by another massage therapist and for her neck pain. And I knew her jaw was the reason that her neck, she was having pain in her neck. And I asked her, I said, would it be okay if I put gloves on, go inside your mouth and release? She goes, oh, no. I said, okay, I'm going to try to do whatever I can from without going But I said, I'm not sure how much relief I can give you. So then she got maybe 10, 15%. And then the week after she called me, she goes, I would like to book another appointment. I said, look, I cannot give you an appointment if you're not going to allow me to do what I need to do to get you better. She goes, no, it's okay. I'll allow you. I feel (laughs) comfortable with you. So she did. And I went in, did the her TMJ, like a tongue release. And and it was so much better. But yeah, sometimes, you know what? Everyone has their thing. And I'm not here to judge. Yeah. I kind of go. Do the best with what you can, right? Makes them, make them comfortable. Yeah. So after you did the release with her, how was her pain? How did it shift for her? Oh, no. She was almost like no pain. And <laughs> I'm like, don't you wish I did that last time? She goes, yeah, but I didn't know you, so I didn't really trust you. Okay, well, yeah. so it happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Pain is not limited to physical injuries or medical conditions. It also manifests in the body from unresolved trauma, emotional distress. How do you assist patients in identifying and addressing these underlying issues to promote long-term pain resolution? Well, again, when I feel it's not a physical, it's not a structural or muscular issue, then again, that's outside of the scope of my practice. So I may just ask some questions. And this is LA. Most people have therapists. And I may say, you know what, maybe this pain, because sometimes, you know, in trauma or some event happened in your yeah. life could actually kind of find home in different parts of your body. And it happens sometimes I'm working on a client, all of a sudden they have a relief and they start crying and emotional release, which is like freaking awesome. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm also an NLP master practitioner, even though I don't usually say it because I don't think I'm qualified enough to, because yes, I've gone through the training, but it's not something I use on a daily basis. Depending on a client, depending what comes up, 
-hmm. if I feel like, okay, you know what, let's, are you open to do something like really cool? And they're like, oh yeah, well, let's do it. It's a situation by situation type thing, right? It just depends on how you feel into it. One of my clients, it was inflammation and she Mm. loved sugar, this one specific candy. Yeah. And I can't even believe she loved that candy, but that's what she loved. <laughs> and it's so funny because I just posted a video not long ago and she commented, she goes, and I haven't had a good and plenty candy since you did your magic on me. <laughs> she used to buy my boxes that good and plenty. I don't even know what it is. I don't think I've ever had it. I think it's jelly bean or something. Good and I'm plenty. not sure. I've never had them. I've heard of them, but I've never had them. Love and I used one of the NLP techniques. Since then, she hasn't been eating. This was a few years back. It just depends on a client, depends on the situation. I don't know. Yeah, you just have to feel into the situation as you're in it. Many individuals with chronic pain struggle with feelings, as we've talked about. All of these emotions come up, the frustration, the hopelessness, isolation, all of them. How do you approach the emotional and psychological aspects of the pain in your practice and what techniques do you use to support patients developing a positive mindset? Sometimes just listening to them. Sometimes Mm. they just need to vent. I mean, yeah, sometimes they share too much. (laughs) <laughs> like, like this is i don't need to know but yeah. if you feel comfortable because it's not going to leave my room if you feel comfortable and that's going to make you feel better but what i pay attention to is their breathing like sometimes when they're talking they share all of a sudden like they take a deep breath and then exhale oh that was a good release <laughs> so it's just like i said i'm not qualified to do yeah. more than just listen as i'm doing my thing on them but sometimes that's what it takes right I don't know. yeah <laughs> but no no magic dish no <laughs> As mentioned off the top, Ani, you're trained in multiple areas and modalities. Can you speak a little bit about the modalities you use and how you incorporate them into your work with your clients? Yeah. So my foundation is a kinesiology, but medical massage, which is oh, it's amazing techniques. As a learner, I love not just finding some unique techniques, but I've been fortunate enough to come across some amazing practitioners, amazing doctors that created very unique techniques that work amazing. And I can't believe that massage schools don't offer them as a regular part of curriculum because they're so good. And so let's say some of the techniques besides, uh, I call it Russian medical massage, <laughs> but it's not a Russian because of some parts of Europe also, they study that. But those techniques and then primal reflex release technique, trigenics technique, which I came to Toronto to learn okay. it. Ah. Doctor, amazing technique. And then a conjugate gaze tech. My God, I can just keep mentioning <laughs> go on and on <laughs> you know, yeah but and then in functional nutrition learning how to analyze read the blood work like sometimes clients say oh my blood work is fine my doctor said everything is normal I'm like, could you please send it to me let mm. me take a look at it. not because i'm better than doctors it's just i was trained to look at it differently right i see things that they just don't see it and then of course genetic testing is oh Everyone should be doing it. It's, you get so many aha moments. You get so much information about your body and realizing how to live your life. 
even the things you do, how you react to things, it's, we can see that in genetics. It's yeah. so cool. I interviewed a chiropractor a little while back, and she was saying she uses genetic testing, and she just loves it. Couldn't say enough about it. Yes. She's raving about how incredible it is. And you do it only once, but you can take session after session to dig deeper into it. It's just so fascinating. She was talking about using it to test on children for the Alzheimer's gene and things like that, like crazy shit. And she said, we should be testing our children at a young age for Alzheimer's and things like that so that you can see what you can do preventatively as they grow. Well, depending what type of genetic testing you do, there are the medical side of genetic testing that they look for genes. Mm -hmm. We call it high penetrance genes. That if you have those genes, then there could be the disease. The genes, the company I work with, the genes we test, because I'm not a doctor, and we test low penetrance genes, meaning if you have the certain genes or one gene, it's not powerful enough to cause a disease. But the combination of it, if you have several genes, it can explain why you may have higher potential of having cardiovascular issues okay. or cholesterol or have a blood clot, higher right. potential of having a blood clot or inflammation issues or blood sugar issues based on your genes. But the great thing is with lifestyle changes, dietary changes, maybe supplemental suggestions, we can make sure that those genes would never turn on. Or if they're turned on, we can turn them off. Preventative measures. That's the genetic testing I work with. Love it. Yeah. How important a part in your work does your nutritionist background play in your role? And how big of a role does nutrition play in helping your clients who are coming to you with chronic pain? What is the correlation there in your work with them? Well, when I'm working with the patients with the chronic pain, just doing a physical like, oh, let me do different manual therapy techniques is not going to do it. Because they're dealing with, most of the time, with the systemic inflammation. They're dealing with digestive issues, probably. So nutrition is major. If your knee hurts because you have arthritis, because you have systemic inflammation, then me working on your knee or putting ice on your knee is not going to do it. You need to make dietary changes, anti-inflammatory foods. Then I'm looking at, do you have allergies? Would it be seasonal all all year round? Because that's going to increase your histamine. Well, when your histamine is up, even though you're taking antihistamine, whatever medication or more natural stuff, but you keep eating avocados and spinach and strawberries and banana, which can trigger the histamine or high in histamine, then you're in this vicious cycle. Then we need to make some changes. And that's where the nutrition and specifically genetic testing comes in. If people are not open to it, which sometimes they're not, it's okay. I tell them this is what you need to be doing. But some people, they want, I just want to take a pill. And a I quick fix. Yep. And it's okay. It's a choice. So does nutrition, your role, your nutritionist hat, just, do you wear that a lot in your work? Do you give dietary suggestions or create meal plans for some of your patients to help with the inflammation and things like that in the pain? I definitely do. I don't create like a breakfast, lunch, dinner, this right. eat because I just find that too boring for them. <laughs> so you take a different approach to that? I, uh, I give them the suggestions, but and then I would, may recommend different type of 
of like nutritionists that will do those things. That okay. I would say they would hold your hand and walk you every step. That's not. You don't have I the do. time for that. No, that. no, not the time. That's just I just find it very boring. <laughs> but I do give them overall suggestions. When I do genetic testing, I would write down a three, four page action steps. The food suggestions, food choices, and all that stuff, I will write it down. But I won't give you recipes and stuff like right. that. Unless you're looking for a really healthy raw food recipes, I can give you a few. Really. <laughs> <laughs> In today's crazy busy world, hustle culture bullshit mentality, many people struggle with maintaining a healthy diet due to time constraints, budget limitations, or even conflicting information they get through social media, on the internet. What practical strategies or tips can you offer to individuals to overcome these barriers and achieve sustainable dietary changes? Oh, I know, you know, some like now it's the intermittent fasting, it's the keto that is everywhere. If you go on YouTube, you see, oh, I lost 100 pounds doing keto or intermittent fasting, depending which variety is good for you. Is it like a 16, 8, 12, whatever? And my biggest thing is our bodies are completely unique. I personally tried intermittent fasting for eight months. Mm -hmm. And I was doing from 13 hours to sometimes 16, 17, 18 hours, I didn't lose any weight. So find what works for you. It's not about, oh, my neighbor did this and it worked for them. Let me try it. Find what works for you. And it shouldn't be a diet. I hate when people say, oh, I'm on a diet. It should be a lifestyle. Diet, anyone can suck it up and use their willpower for a week, for a month, maybe two months, and then that goes away. But if you create as a lifestyle, then it's a habit. Then yeah. you don't think about it. Yeah, when I go to Europe, I know you love pasta. Yes. <laughs> you know, when I go to Europe, that's the only time I eat pasta. Here's I rare, maybe once a year. Wow. It's not a food I think about or I eat. But when I go to Europe, oh my God, yes, I'm going to eat, uh, you know, Parmesan, whatever thing, lasagna and gnocchis. So it has to be a lifestyle. And that yeah. takes time. It's a small changes. Overnight, you're not going to change. And depending on a person, some yeah. people, they're just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to stick with it. And they do. Some people... I just need to make one small change every few days or every few weeks. And that's okay. Well, there's so many fad diets out there and all these different things to try. And this will help you lose weight and that'll help. How do you even know where to begin? I mean, there's so much out there and you got to do your research and it takes time just to do the research. Well, yes. And so interesting. I just, a couple of months ago, I did the genetic report for a husband and wife and they're both vegetarians. And they have a son who's on a spectrum. Well, looking at their genetic report, vegetarian is not the right diet for them. And I did bring it up, but they're like, no, we can't eat any animal, like no eggs, no right. cheese, no nothing. So, you know, at this point, there's nothing I can do. No. Yet. I could suggest also genetically, I'm a meat eater. Now, I try to be vegetarian, doesn't work for me. <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, I can have an amazing steak breakfast. That yeah. my body functions so well with protein. But yeah. 
you created the precision pain resolution method. Can you speak a little bit about that and what exactly is it and what led to its creation and how you implement it in the work you do with your clients? Well, that's again, utilizing, it's not one modality that I utilize. Depending on a client, I may use all the different modalities that I studied. So it's client by client basis and what is going to work for that person. And one of the reasons I like the precision and the resolution because it's very specific to you, the techniques that I use. Okay. And my whole goal is how fast I can, that's why my sessions are only 30 minutes. Oh, wow. My sessions at the office, unless people that sometimes I have, they drive two, three hours me, then I'm not going to do half an hour. I'm going to do an hour session on them. But the people that are local, my sessions are half an hour because the techniques I use are very specific to them, to their pain. And if I overdo it, it can backfire. So yes, it's very precise and I have a very specific outcome goal. Well, and it sounds like you get results pretty damn quick too. So that's incredible. I say when it works very quickly. (laughs) Does it work every time? No, I'm not going to lie. It doesn't. But I would say I have a 85 to 90%. I will get rid of their pain. Are a lot of the patients just like one session and done, or is it usually two, three, four sessions, and then they're pain-free? Depending on the clients, most of it, that's why I say I have a very high client turnover because I may see them one time because I'm also big on giving you homework. Right. Like techniques, not okay. scratches, but actual pain relief techniques that yeah. you can use as a maintenance tool or as a preventative tool. Like a client I saw last Saturday, I haven't seen her in years and we're friends. So sometimes we go to dinner. She goes, Ani, I haven't seen you, but it's your fault. You fix (laughs) me. And then you show me those couple of techniques that I do regularly. So my pain hasn't come back. And She just was in Europe for a while and did all this like cooking and walking tours. She came with a knee pain. That's why I saw her after five years, I think. But yeah, I have a very high client turnover. And a lot of times I may see them once or like you said, two, three times, and then their pain is gone. And I may not see them for months or years, even though I wish they would keep up a maintenance. I would ask them maybe once a month or once every six to eight weeks. And Popeye, half an hour, let me check your body, just release whatever I find tight. And then you don't need to go. Yeah, to a point that, oh, I have pain, let me... The couple of clients that you mentioned, the woman that wouldn't at first let you release what you needed to release in her mouth. So she came back a second time. Was that it? After the second time, she was... Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I have uh, several clients that I see them a very short period and then they're gone. I saw a client about three months ago, and when she called me, her name popped up in my phone, which means I've seen her before. But that was like 10 years ago. She goes, wow. on 10 years ago, I came to you. You helped my neck pain. Now I have some hip pain. And I was like, God, this is so cool. <laughs> High client turnover is a good thing. It shows you're doing your I, job I damn it. well. <laughs> yes, I, I, it, it's a good thing. But at the same time, it's like I regularly need new clients. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Ani, what is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? Oh, I have to say it's a sad thing, but it was kind of a turning point 
1988, when we had the huge earthquake back home in Armenia, when we lost our home and we lived in our garage for three years before we came to U.S., I'm Armenian. A lot of us are about materialistic things. A lot of us about driving the best car, having mm -hmm. the biggest house. We like to show off. But since then, for me, materialistic things mean absolutely nothing. It was all about how I can enjoy my life the experiences I can get, the amazing people I can meet and create those memories, those experiences. And that was a major turning point for me because within seconds, I saw the destruction and life's gone. That's powerful. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after learning it? Well, I'm Armenian, so we're very strong in our cultures, the values, you stick together. And I will say I was born to live in U.S. because I think my open-mindedness, I married my ex-husband because my whole family sat over their dead body, and which wasn't a good two years later, we got divorced. But yeah. I was like, well, I don't do well with ultimatums. <laughs> but... What was the thing is, I love uh, my cultural values, but doing things, I say playing, how they say in English, playing my own horn or... Tooting your own horn. Yes, because whatever happens, I can't point finger at anyone but me. So that's my biggest thing is good or bad. I've done everything that I wanted to do. Some was good, some was totally stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're human beings. We make you know, mistakes. So, but it was a learning experience and it was an amazing learning experience and I wouldn't take it back. Well, that's the thing, right? When we go through situations that are difficult or tough, we have to learn to be able to step back and look at it from the outside and be able to take the lesson in it because there is a lesson in every experience that we go through. There is a silver lining. We just have to look for it and find it. Yes. Definitely. Right. Sometimes they say we it's better to, we wish we learned from someone else's mistakes, but it's not the same. No, definitely. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes. Sometimes we have to go through the shit and that's all there is to it. You have to learn the lesson. Yeah. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I think that I got from my dad is perseverance. It's never giving up. And I think that's a great quality to have. It doesn't matter how tough things get. I know that it's going to get better. I know that I'm on the right path and the right path for me. And I try not to compare myself to others mm -hmm. because that's not a good thing. But sometimes no. I do. And sometimes just sticking with it, knowing that this is the right path for me. And yeah. it doesn't matter how difficult or how hard it is or how does it look from outside is I'm doing it. Now, speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? For me is when I can go and buy a ticket and fly to Europe or fly to South Africa tomorrow, pack my bags and not to have to worry about financial things, not to have to worry about anything. To me, that's a success. And I'm not talking about just the money part, but the freedom, the willingness, the opportunities, the friends, when they say, hey, Ani, we're in Moscow, come meet us there. Okay, I'm going to buy a ticket. I'll see you in 24 hours. The ability to live life on your terms. 
Yes. <laughs> I love it. Ani, what challenge in your life has shaped you the most? Oh, I think being the rebel. <laughs> the black sheep of my family. Because I went to college that my parents didn't want me to. I picked a profession they didn't want me to. I married a man they didn't want me to. <laughs> just a lot of things that I've done, not just to be defiant, just because that's what I thought it was the right thing for me. And now I know it was the right thing for me to do. But, you know, as I'm hearing myself, I almost sound like really selfish. But to me, it's, I don't want to get older and then say, oh, I should have. Right. Like, I don't want to regret. And honestly, I'm 54 years old and I have zero regrets on most of the things that I've done. And that's it. That's what life's about. Exactly. And I love that. And imagine yeah. the next 50, what kind of crazy shit I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> what does the word empowerment mean to you? I wish it was like a see-through me because I love that word. I get all these this like goosebumps that yeah. firing up because to me, it's like we have so much power to do so many things, even just helping others, making connections with other people or connecting the people that don't know each other, but you know that, okay, they need to meet because something beautiful is going to happen. Having that it's, I, I don't look at it as a power, but having that capability of mm -hmm. making that happen, it's, I love it. It's very, like I said, it's very empowering. It's very satisfying. I love, yeah. It's, Sets your soul on fire. I know. It's it an is. incredible it's feeling. So it really is. Exciting. Yes. It makes your soul you... sing. It makes your heart sing. Yes. It's like, oh my God, I made this happen. This is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Fun. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Never give up. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My positiveness. What is your favorite self-care practice? Oh, earthing, being barefoot. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Enjoy life. <laughs> that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? As practitioners, most of us are technicians. We go after what's the next skill? What's the next other skill that's going to make me better? But I wish from the beginning of my career, someone taught me that, yes, it's amazing to know these unique techniques and stuff, but study business skills took me years and I'm still learning business skills. It's about learn business skills. Ani, what is your why? Why not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's life is too beautiful, too short, too amazing. Not to do what you want to do, you know, just freaking fucking get out and do it. Yeah. I agree with you. It's an incredible feeling when you find that thing that fills your soul, that fills your heart, that you feel with every fiber of your being, and that's what you get to do. No it's an incredible, yeah. And you, everyone has the ability to do it. You just have to put in the work. You have to find that thing. 
That's it. Yeah. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, I hate my job. It's like, why do you do it? I can't imagine doing anything that doesn't bring me joy, doesn't bring me. I mean, I understand some people, there's circumstances. You have children, you have to do what you need to do. Since my niece and nephew were tiny, I would always talk to them, find what you're good at and figure out and you enjoy and figure out how to make money doing that. There's always a way where there's a will, there's a way you can give excuses all you like. But if you want it bad enough, you'll figure out a way to make it happen. There's always a way to do it. I figured there's an energy you're spending on coming up with the excuses. Why don't you transfer that, conform that energy into solutions? Yeah, there you You go. Instead of excuses, just use the solutions. Very true. Love that. That's a great piece of advice, Ani. Thank you. Ani, if you could step into my shoes, what question would you ask yourself that I didn't ask you? Why are you still single? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I think you asked so many awesome questions. You've been bringing out stuff, having me tell stories. And And I love your stories. (laughs) I would say, what's next? Okay, what's next, Ani? What's the plan? When I think about next, it actually scares me. Scares me in a good way. This year has been such a transformational year that I'm still like, we're still half the year. I have part of a chapter of the book coming out. I'm writing for the second book chapter. I'm working on my own book. I'm working on my signature talk on my TED talk so I can start looking for stages to speak on TED stages. It's been amazing meeting you, getting on so many amazing podcasts and sharing my stories. I was on a freaking radio live show that aired in South Africa. Wow. I just did a podcast and the guy was in Malaysia. Come on. This is freaking (laughs) awesome. I love what's coming on, working on different online courses. It's so exciting times. I love it. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? How much I can do, how much I would never think if you asked me three, four years ago, oh, Ani, you're going to be writing. I'm like, are you kidding me? I still, when I go to a restaurant, I ask for butter, they bring me water. And me writing a book in English myself, or you're going to be thinking about speaking on a TED stage, I would say, you're crazy. I'll be just in my office doing massage, doing my work. And that's how I would just retire. But no, now I see myself on big stages. I love that. the world and it's sharing my passion, my, it's, I love it. It's so awesome. So yeah, I'm actually scared of what's coming. <laughs> In a good way. Yes. Ani, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Okay, don't laugh. No. It's Anne Frank. Okay. That's the book I grew up reading, but I think I read maybe five times or more. Yeah. Just how she was, who she was. Like I can pick up so many lessons from her so much, like never giving up. I would just love to sit down with her and ask questions. I literally have the book. I can see the book growing yeah. up. Because I read it in Armenian. Right. In the translation, but it was this little book and the cover, I think it was she like hiding in an attic with dark and just sitting there and having conversations with her. Ani, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? 
make smarter financial choices. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you're making good money, you think that's never going to end until the pandemic hits. (laughs) (laughs) But making smarter choices, which is never too late to start. Very true. But it's much easier when you do it at the young age. Absolutely. You you never think that you're going to get older. Very true. Lastly, Ani, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Embrace life. Enjoy. Have fun. Help people. Oh, my God. I sponsor a child in Armenia from my city because I said it has to be from my city that I grew up and after earthquake for about 30 years they still live in their little garage and when I get letters from her pictures from her and seeing her transition I was like I love it the (laughs) tiny little like what I'm sending to them it's so small but it looks so huge in their eyes that I just want to help hundreds of those kids. Yeah, It's just, uh, I think just that we have so much more, so much to give. And sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to give when I make this much, whatever. No, 10 bucks. For us, they say in US, we're the top 1% earners when you compare to the world. We still, as little as we earn, maybe we're still top 1% help someone else. Love it. Ani, thank you so very much for being here with me today, for taking and making the time to share in your journey, your story, and for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through the work you do and through the woman that you are. It was an absolute pleasure to have this opportunity to sit down with you and speak and learn more about your journey. So thank you for sharing with me. And I am so honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. This was fantastic. My pleasure and my honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Ani Papizian. She is a highly experienced pain resolution specialist, a certified medical massage therapist, a functional nutritionist, and the founder and owner of The Last Stop for Pain. Thank you so much, Ani. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.